0: This morning is from Genesis again, of course, Uh, chapter 22, verses 1 to 19, and of course, as usual, it is on your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. Some time later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. and placed it on his son, Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your burnt offspring, offering, oh, sorry, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba.
1: This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Thanks be to God. Question. I want you to think about somebody in your life that has been a role model to you. Okay? Somebody that you looked up to. Maybe someone that you still look up to. Somebody who, I don't know, inspires you, has inspired you to live a bigger life. Can you think of that person? I think we all need role models. We need people in our lives that we can look up to, that we can emulate, that we can aspire to be like, and who do help us to live bigger lives. Uh, this morning, we are continuing to look at the life of, of Abraham, and Abraham is a role model in the faith. In fact, when you look in the New Testament, and even in the Old Testament, he is he's set before us as a role model of faith. Here is a man who has just been captured by God. Here's a man who is living by faith. And this morning, we're going to see him older, more mature, but he is going to face the most intense trial of his life. It says in our passage that, that God came to him and it tested him. And when you hear that word test, don't think about an exam, uh, fail, or, or pass. This, this is a test that God gives to Abraham and to us at times. It's designed to show us what's actually in our hearts. It's to show us the faith that's in our hearts. And it's designed to strengthen that faith. God is testing Abraham. And it's a heavy test. It's intense. Our testing will not be like his. It won't be identical, but we're going to be tested. Of that, you can be absolutely sure. God loves us so much that he will, at times, send tests into our life to draw out our faith, to strengthen our faith, and this morning, we're going to simply look at this role model of faith, Abraham, and we're going to learn that when the tests come, and they will, that we need three things. One, a reasoning faith. Two, uh, a responsive faith. And three, an inspired faith. A reasoning faith, a responsive faith, an inspired faith. So, first of all, a, uh, a reasoning faith. I need to quickly recap what's going on here. Remember... Remember, God came to Abraham and said to him, I'm going to give you a son. And through that son, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And all the families on earth are going to be blessed through you. And so Abraham and his wife Sarah wait. They wait patiently. And they wait for years. And then finally, Isaac arrives, and they laugh, and they give him the name Isaac because Isaac means laughter, and they laughed. I think I think they laughed the day he was born. I, I think they laughed when when Sarah nursed him. I think they they laughed when he said his first words. I think they laughed when they took his first steps. I think they laughed when Sarah made him, you know, that first wee outfit, and they put it on him. I, I, I think they laughed as he hit all the milestones as he was growing up and becoming a young teenager. I think they laughed a lot. But then... One day, when everything was going well, out of the blue, I mean entirely out of the blue, God shows up and he tests Abraham and says to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son whom you love. And just so we're clear, Isaac And I want you to take him to the area of Moriah. And there I'll show you the mountain. I want you to offer him up as a burnt offering. I don't think Abraham's laughing anymore. I think he's stressed. I think he's distressed. I think he's struggling. I I think he's weeping. And I think he's trying to figure out, like, how can this be? How, when you have promised this Son, and a Son who will become a mighty nation, and a Son whose descendants will one one day find themselves in the Son, who will bring redemption to the world. And how, how can that be true if you're now saying to me, go and offer up this Son... As a burnt offering. How does that command not negate the promise? You see. We're not told in our story. What was going on in, in Abraham's mind. It doesn't say there. We'll see in a second. It just, it just goes to what he did. We're not told what he was thinking. But the New Testament is very clear. And it tells us exactly what he was thinking. I'll read it to you. Now listen, listen. By faith, when God tested him, that's Abraham, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who embraced, hear this, he who embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Hear this, Abraham reasoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. You hear what he's saying here, that, that God had no intention of allowing Abraham to go through with it. That was not his plan. But Abraham did not know that, did he? And that's why it was a test. But here's what Abraham does, and it's so important. That even though we will never be tested the way that he was, so don't worry about that, even though his testing was completely unique and unrepeatable, in some ways, hear this, Abraham shows us what to do when the, when the trials come and when the tests come our way. Abraham did not turn off his brain. Abraham think, thought he reasoned. Okay, he, he put his brain into action. And he, he reasoned and he believed that God, the only way God could do this was by raising his son from the dead. Now the point, the principle that I want us to get a hold of here from this passage is simply this. There are times when tests come and God calls us to really think about what we're going through. Like it 's it's not enough to simply say, well, I guess that 's what 's happening I, I guess that 's you know what God has in store for me. How many times have you heard this that we can never know why hard things come our way? Have you ever heard that yeah uh uh-huh. it 's not true okay it 's true that we can 't ultimately or exhaustively know why why hard things come our ways i mean Do you know what God is doing through your trials and your testing? Do you fully understand the change he's bringing to your life? Do you fully understand the impact that your life has when people look at it and how they're encouraged in their faith and how that kind of weaves itself out into future generations? Can you fully understand what God is doing in any test? when he's doing a million things. So, I don't think we can ultimately exhaustively know why. Why things come to us. But saying that, saying that we can't exhaustively know why God is doing what he's doing in our trials is not the same thing as saying that God we can't know any reason for why we go through the things that we do. So, here's what I did. Maybe someone could get me a glass of water. I should really start having campfires in my backyard before I preach on Sunday mornings. But I like them. So, um, here's what I did. I collected like ten good reasons why you go through the things you do, why God tests you. And uh, I'm not expecting you to hold on to all of them. Just think about one or two that stand out. Here they are. Number one, because we live in a broken world. Two, tests come to remind us that we're not home yet. (coughs) Did I mention we live in a broken world? Three, to expose, to remove idols from our hearts. Number four, to make us dependent on God so that we draw near to him. Number five, to build compassion in our hearts. Number six, to comfort others in their distress. Number seven, to dramatize the life and death of Jesus Christ to a watching world. Number eight, to show that we have faith. Number nine, to prepare us for glory. Number 10, to make us into passionate worshipers of God. Friends, it is not true that we can't know why God tests us. When the tests come, we're not supposed to check our brains at the door. We are called to really thank you, Jeff, thank you, to really thank Think and reason and take the scriptures and apply them to our current situation. You're going to reason when the trials come. The question isn't if, it's how. And you and I are going to either reason correctly or we're going to reason wrongly. We're going to either correctly interpret our circumstances based on what God's word says or we're going to misinterpret them. Because of what we think. And what we're seeing here is that the faith, the faith that's really able to go through trials, is a faith that's a reasoning faith. So, the question I want to ask you this morning is what is it that you're going through? Or when you go through it, what truth, what one bit of scripture do you need? So that you can correctly interpret why this test is coming to you. I'll tell you why this is important. It's important because it will completely dictate and determine how faithfully and successfully you maneuver through this test. Does that make sense? I think it does. I hope it does. So, what you need is a reasoning faith. Here's another thing you need. You need a responsive faith. A response of faith So early the next morning Abraham wakes up, why? It could be that he was eager to get on with things I don't know about that I think it's probably because he didn't sleep at all I mean, would you? I think he was already awake And so he gets up And he chops wood Which is strange because he has servants Who could have done that But he does it himself I'll tell you, love chopping wood Love it, as you know As you can hear. And it just, it takes the mind off things. You know what I'm saying? So Abraham's up there at the break of dawn. He's chopping wood. Because he's got a lot on his mind. His heart is stacked with grief. And he begins to walk. He begins to walk. He sets out with Isaac, his two servants. as a three days journey. Imagine. A three day journey. And the whole while, you're like, I'm not doing this. I, I'm, 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 I'm out of here. I'm not doing this. Three days, that must have been absolute torture. Thinking about what lies ahead. They see the place in the distance. He says to the servant, stay here. And I and the son, my lad, will go and worship and come back. You see, he knew he was going to raise right. We'll come back. So, Abe takes the fire, probably a flint, and a knife. That was the, the knife. And he places, hear this, he places the wood, the stack of wood, on Isaac's back. And we'll come back to that in a minute. Just hold on to that. But along the way, Isaac asks the question, and it's a pretty intelligent, obvious question. It's this uh, Dad, we have the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And here's what he says. He says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. They reach the place. They build the ark. He builds the altar. He binds his son. He lays him on it. And he's about, I think, to draw the knife across Isaac's throat because that's how you would kill a lamb in that day. But the angel of God, the Lord himself says, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And then, amazingly, there is a ram with his horns caught in the thicket. And they take that lamb and they sacrifice and offer the burnt offering. That's incredible. It's incredible that this man, Abraham, would take that journey with his son three days out and be ready to offer him up as a burnt sacrifice. But he did it. And the Bible is really clear in James chapter 2, verse 21 to 22, that faith works itself out by the way that we live. If we've got real faith, it's going to show itself in a life of obedience, responsiveness. It says, was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. So, you see, this is what's needed when the tests come. It's not just a reasoning faith, it's a responsive faith. It's a faith that will listen to, will obey God when things are really tough, when things are really hard, when the stakes are super high. You see that? And I guess the question I have to ask you this morning, and I have to ask myself, is what is God calling you to do right now? What is difficult? What's challenging? Maybe God's calling you to a different vocation. Maybe God is asking you to consider a major life change. Maybe God is calling you to say a very difficult thing to somebody. And that's going to mean that you're going to have to sacrifice your relationship. Maybe God is asking you to take a stand. A stand for him. And it's going to cost you your reputation or more. Maybe it's a financial test. And maybe the temptation is to fudge and cheat and steal. But God's calling you to be a person of integrity. Maybe it's a delayed promise and you're just wondering, when is this going to happen? How do you live? Maybe it's a senseless loss that you're trying to make sense of. And you are just so disillusioned with God and the temptation to walk away is so near. What is God calling you to do right now? And you you need to know this this morning that God loves your obedience. He loves your obedience when you're in it. He loves to see your obedience when you're facing the heat of life just like he loved to see Abraham's obedience when Abraham was willing to give up his son his only son who he loved for now I know that you fear God for you have not withheld from me your son your only son it's that moment of decision It's that moment of decision when we choose. Will I live for something else or will I live for him? Will I honor him as my all in all? And will I give up everything, even life itself, to do what my God has called me to do? That's what the test requires. It requires a response of faith. It requires a reasoning faith. But you know what? You and I, we are people who need to be inspired. Oh my goodness. Because when the heat's on, and it's difficult, it's difficult to reason, and it's difficult to respond to the call of God when the heat's on. You and I need to be inspired. And the inspiration is totally here in our passage. That's the third thing I want us to look at this morning. There are so many vignettes of Jesus and salvation in our passage. I mean, even through Genesis, we've been seeing that Genesis is all about Jesus. And we have been seeing Jesus obliquely at times, but then we see him more vividly, and he is so vivid In our passage, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, we could talk about this where where God says to Abraham, Father Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, who you love, and not kill him, but offer him up as a burnt sacrifice to God. Does that sound like anyone you know? Does that not sound like the Father? Giving up his son, his only dear son, to be the sacrifice, the burnt offering for your sins. It's right there. Or we could see this lamb caught in the thicket. I mean, what was it doing on that mountain? Okay, I know that they live up there sometimes, but come on, it just happened to be there. And God provides through this lamb, pointing to the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. It's amazing. I think a lot of times when we think of this passage, we are amazed by Abraham's sacrifice. But I want us for a moment to think about Isaac's sacrifice, shall we? I know it says he was a boy, a lad, And we might think that he was a little guy. I'm not sure. Because he was able to walk. He was able to talk. Actually, he sounds quite mature, doesn't he, as he's talking with his father. And don't forget that his father asked him to carry the stack of wood for the burnt offering. So Isaac has got to be old enough to be able to do that. Jewish scholars say he may have been between 20 and 35. I don't know. What I, what I think is that he wasn't a little guy. What I think, he was probably a teenager. What I think is that he could have very easily run away from his father, who was like 100 years old. Okay? I've got a 90-year-old father. He's not doing great. He just fell down. Again, he won't go into long-term care. We can't do anything. We can't convince him. And uh, he can't see well, he can't hear well, he doesn't walk well. I could totally beat him in a race. I totally could. Which is a weird thing to say about your 90-year-old father, right? But you're not going to convince me that Isaac could not have got away from his father. And I know Isaac, I know Abraham rather lived a few more years. But he was old, and the Bible said his body was as good as dead. How do you explain the binding of Isaac? Here's what I think. I think the scriptures are mercifully and beautifully discreet. I think Abraham had a conversation with his his son Isaac and told him exactly what God had commanded him to do. And I think that Isaac somehow, someway submitted to his father and allowed himself to be bound and placed on that altar even to the point of being willing to die. And friends, can we not see Christ? Can we not see the father? Can we not see a son who was willing because of love, not compelled but willing to put himself on an altar for your sin and mine, to lay his life down for your sin, to make you a child of God. And do we not see that in this case the knife did find its mark and he died and bled for you? I think, I really think, that we need to hear that message. I think we have to be inspired by that message. I think that when the clouds roll in, I think that when the tests come, I think that when we wonder, where are you, God? I think that when we say to ourselves, why have you left me? When we want to find relief somewhere that's off limits because we're not getting any, it seems, from God. We've got to come back to the story and see a son who willingly, because of love, gave himself for us. Because surely, friends, that means this. No matter what your test is telling you, it's not telling you this that you're alone, that he's not with you. Because the cross of Jesus Christ assures you that you're not alone, that he has come close, so close, and is with you. He is Emmanuel. You're going to be tested. If you're not tested right now, it's coming. When? I don't know probably sooner than later. <laughs> of that, you can be sure. But you don't have to worry, friends. You don't have to worry. Because this test is from a father who loves you, who wants your faith to grow, who wants you to know that you have faith, who wants to show you that faith, and who wants to grow that faith, even like he grew it with Abraham and in Isaac. Life is hard. The tests are going to come. The question that you and I have got to sort out and get ready for, and I mean now, sooner as opposed to later, is how are we going to meet that test? We want a reasoning faith. We want to think about these things biblically and interpret them by the word of God And we want to respond, don't we? We want to answer God's call to go where He wants us to go and to do what He wants us to do. He wants our faith to be complete by the way that we live our lives. And He wants you to be inspired by the great story of a son who willingly allowed himself to be bound and offered up for your sins. Friend, you're not alone. He's with you. He's never, he's never and he never will forsake you. You're loved. You think about that. You think about that now as you walk through a veil of tears. And you think about that when the storms roll in. Because they're coming. But it's okay. Praise God. Let's pray. Dear Father, what a privilege, what a privilege. To sort of sit and have a front row view into this ancient, this incredibly personal story between a man and his son. Thank you for the example that's set forth here, both by Abraham, but also by Isaac, his son. Father, we're just so thrilled at the way that it so clearly points to you and your son. And Father, you know every day of our life, and you know every test that will come to us. Father, no test comes to us that you have not planned, you have not ordained. And, Father, every test is designed to show our faith. It's designed to grow our faith. We want, Father, to grow. We don't want to walk away, Father. We don't want to be disobedient. We don't want to seek other things in the face of great difficulty. We want to press in and find you and know you and trust you. We want our eyes to be fixed on Christ, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning and shame sat down at the right hand of the Father. We want to know him and the power of the resurrection. We want to know that as we walk this life and as we wrestle with your difficult providences when they come to us, we pray that this story will bind itself to our hearts and bind our hearts to you the God who is, the God who came down, the God who is with us, Emmanuel. Please, Father, do that, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.